to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. All right, got your Bible. Go to Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1 tonight. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for a new revelation, new understanding. Open the eyes of understanding, Lord, that we may know you better, grow closer to you, think like you, act like you, and be a good representative here on the earth. Father, your kingdom come and your will be done on this earth just as it is in heaven. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, and everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right, Titus chapter 1 tonight. We've been talking about the spirit, the spirit realm. We found out there's two spirit realms. There is God realm, the kingdom realm, and also the other spirit realm, which is the world realm or the evil spirit realm. And basically that what we do and what we believe and how we act basically causes spiritual influence in our lives. In other words, if you're not lined up with the word of God and with God, you still allow spiritual influence into your life. Maybe you don't even know you're doing it, but you're doing it. That's why we want to get to correct doctrine and line up with the word of God so we allow the Holy Ghost to do the work in our life. How many of you want the Holy Ghost working in your life? Well, praise God, good. All right, Titus chapter 1, look at verse 9. It says, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole households, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. One of these, even a prophet in their own, said, The Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and slow bellies. This witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in faith. Now, you don't hear this portion of Scripture preached on too much, but basically it's talking about spiritual leaders and people who are teaching the body of Christ. We found out that doctrines of devils are meant to bind people in the body of Christ. Over the years in the body of Christ, many doctrines of devils have filtrated into the body of Christ, and because Christians have believed them, they've ended up in bondage rather than in the truth which sets people free. So here basically Paul is talking to church leaders. He says, first of all, hold fast to the faithful word. Notice that you have been taught. Say been taught. Now whatever you've been taught basically is what you're going to believe. If you believe tongues is of the devil, people have taught you that. If you believe that God don't like you, people have taught you that. If you believe that God loves you, people have taught you that. You believe exactly what you've been taught or what you've heard since you've been born again. He tells them to hold fast to the faithful word. Stay in sound doctrine. Say sound doctrine. Now, he said sound doctrine because apparently there's sound doctrine and there's not sound doctrine. And we find out the sound doctrine is the word of God or the truth of God. Here he says, exhort, convince the gainsayer. In other words, the false teacher. Why does God not want religion and false doctrine in the church? Taught to people because it binds God's people and keeps them from fulfilling the call that God has created them for and put them on the earth to do. Look at verse 10. For there are how many? Many. Say many. There are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision. So here he says there are many. Now we know out there there are cults which are of the evil, saintness, witches, psychics, but many people behind the pulpit also because of lack of knowledge are preaching doctrines of devils into their body. And whatever that body hears from him, they will believe. So it's up to you to test and see the word coming forth, whether it's in the word of God or not in the word of God. How am I going to do that? Well, I'm going to check it. If something hits my spirit that I don't like very well, basically I'm going to go home and I'm going to check and I'm going to find two or three scriptures that back up what that person is preaching. If it's not there, then basically I want to make sure I'm on the right avenue as far as God goes. So basically it's up to us. Say it's up to me to search the word, check the spirits, make sure I believe sound doctrine. So here it says there are many. What should be done to those many? Look at verse 11. Whose mouths must be what? Stop. Now this is, you know, this is pretty cruel here. I mean, it's just to say love many way. That's all right. They're doing their best. No, he says you've got to shut their mouths. Why is that? Because they're influencing people out there basically who are holding them back and putting them in bondage and God wants no one in bondage. All right, look at verse 12. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, Say, the Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and slow bellies. Now, the first time I read this, I thought he was going to be nice. 
You know, so some say they're liars, evil beasts, but they're not that bad of people. But no, look what he says. No, this witness is true, and you need to rebuke them what? Sharply. sharply in love. But you need to rebuke them sharply. Why is that? Because they are influencing and they have a pulpit and they have a platform that's going out into the minds and hearts of God's people. And God wants everybody to be led and guide into all truth. And we know that the Spirit of God is the one that does that. So we don't put up with them. We rebuke them sharply. But if you're going to rebuke someone, you're going to have to have backup. See, everybody wants to rebuke and they'll say, show me that in the Bible. And they say, well, I don't know where it is, but I just know I'm right. Well, that's not going to work. You're just going to start another argument. You need to know in the Word of God what you're teaching, what you're believing, what you're doing so that you can influence other people. All right, look at verse 9 again. Holding fast the faithful word as it has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayer. So what people are taught, it makes a difference in their life. We here at TCVC, ever since we started, have tried to bring truth to the people. Do I know all the truth? No. I know some of the truth? Yes. I know what truth I've put in my life that works, I'm going to preach to somebody else. What doesn't work, I'm going to wait till it works before I preach it to someone else to make sure that it works. And that's the advantage of having someone who's been around a while, how many of you know that, who's gone through some things, and people look at you and they say, well, boy, you really got it made. You never have problems. You never have difficulties. Everything's just gone good. No, we all go through the same things, it seems like, but through the truth, we go through to the other side because we know the truth basically sets us free. So we want to start a new generation. You know, Bethany was telling me a couple weeks ago about their son. And their son basically has gone to school and telling him he don't wear a mask. Why don't he wear a mask? Because he's healed, praise God. And you don't wear a mask if you're healed. Now, there's a, now not too many kids his age. You know, the rest of them were going, amen, brother Leland. No, they wanted to argue with him. They were, oh, yeah, you're going to get sick. Blah, 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 blah. Why is that? Because at a young age, he's being taught the truth that he can then walk in later. But there's not a whole lot of truth being taught out there. So you are going to be one of the minorities, basically. All right, go to Genesis chapter 1. Last week we started talking about the number one doctrine of devil, and what is it? Thank you, Ben. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God is in control of everything. This is a doctrine that has filtered in the church and has basically made the church powerless and helpless. God is in control of everything. Last week we showed you why he wasn't. Now we're going to show you why you are instead of him. Genesis chapter 1, look at verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So this was God's original plan. This was his original purpose. This is back at creation. And basically God created man. Now the key words there are let them. Say let them. Notice he didn't say let me. He didn't say let the angels. He said let them have dominion. Who was he talking about? He was talking about mankind, wasn't he? So here he created mankind. Why? Because he wanted to give mankind authority. He wanted to give them the power to rule here in the earth realm. So he did not say let us. He said let them. This was God's will from the beginning. This was God's desire. We know that Adam came along and messed the whole thing up. But thank God Jesus came and restored to mankind to a place to where we can once again do our job, which is rule and reign here on the earth. God is in rulership in heaven. Mankind was given dominion here on the earth to rule. All right, go to Psalm 8. All right, Psalm 8, look at verse 4. It says, What is man that thou art mindful of him? and the son of man that thou visitest him. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, 
all sheep and oxen, yea, the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever pass through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in the earth. Notice here once again, he's talking about the creation of man. Man was created to have dominion here on the earth and rule over how many things? All things. That's why man was created. Now, if God's in control of everything, then we don't have to use any authority, and we don't want to use authority anyway, because even if we use it, God wants to do something different. God's in control of everything. Basically, it strips you of what you were created to do and put here to do. So if you believe God's in control, and you hear people say it all the time, God's, well, God's in control. God's in, everything's falling apart. Well, don't worry, God's in control. My wife's doing this, my dog's doing this. God's in control. No, we are in control because he put us in control. He never wanted to come to earth and rule ever. He wanted mankind to rule under his rulership from heaven and be the ones who lived in the kingdom of God and extended the kingdom of God here. So mankind was put here with authority, put here with power. God is not in control, but we are in control of about everything in our life. All right, go to Psalm 115. All right, Psalm 115, look at verse 15. It says, You are blessed of the Lord, which has made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth has he given to the children of who? A man. So this tells you now, he's in charge of heaven. We are in charge here on the earth. So somebody says, the Lord's in control of everything. And you say, oh, no, no, we've really got authority and we're in control. And they'll say, no, we're not. You can go to two or three scriptures and you can show them where it shows that we have the authority and not them. If you can get them to believe it, then basically they will turn around. Hallelujah. And when they do that, they can come under the dominion of God himself and then rule here on the earth also. We want to make victors. We don't want to make losers. We want to make people full of the power of God, not those who are barely making it through. We want people who revive people, not barely make it, praise God. And the only way you're going to do that is to line up with who you are and what you can do. Now, how many know when Jesus came back and he defeated the devil, he has the keys of hell and death, and he basically said, all authority, and I give that authority back to mankind. So he restored to us, once again, our authority when we got born again. If people are not born again, they do not have authority over evil spirits at all. And better matter of fact, they're following evil spirits. That's why they're in bondage. That's why if you're going to be successful, you've got to come to an understanding that once you were born again, you have authority, and you have authority over all the evil that's in the world, and you have authority over every evil spirit that's in the world. Otherwise, you're going to succumb and basically get in the middle someplace. And the thing in my life when I was first growing up and coming to the Lord was everything that went bad, I knew enough to, to confess the word every now and then. I knew enough about the word. But when it didn't work, I still got mad at God for not doing what God had already done. God, God, I don't know why he won't heal me. I don't know why he won't save me. I don't know why he won't bless me. But you look in the Bible, the Bible says he's already blessed you with every spiritual blessing. He's already healed you, and he's already saved you if you received him as Lord and Savior. So what was I struggling with? I wasn't standing in my authority, growing in it, understanding that it was up to me to stand strong. Say, say stand strong. How many know the Bible says, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has set you free? Most people stand for about three seconds. And that's the three seconds they can quote scripture. Then they run out of scriptures and they basically backslide. You can't do that. You've you got to stand fast, man. You've got to know what belongs to you. You've got kingdom rights and you've got to stand in those kingdom rights and use your authority in always to do that. So God is in control basically means that God is in control of everything going on on the earth. Everybody that dies, the abortions, the hurricanes, everything. God's just in control. Insurance companies say God's in control, but God is not in control of those things. Basically, mankind is in control. And how many know there's going to be some things in the world that just happen because of sin? Because what's going on in the world? I mean, sin causes things to take place even in the earth realm, even in the natural realm, even in the vegetable world, even in the weather, even in everything else. But we're in a place where we can basically rule and reign in our own lives, and we want to do that because he's given us the authority back to do that. So God is not in control of everything, and the more people you can get to understand that, the more we'll live in victory in their lives. All right, go to Acts chapter 10. I just kept track of the questions that were asked me when I started to be a minister and what people thought, and then I went to try to teach people how to not think the way they were thinking. Are you following me? So people came to me, and one of the other things they said was, well, God doesn't heal everybody. 
God doesn't, God heals one, but he may not heal the other. He's God after all. If he wants to heal one, he can heal one. If he don't want to heal one, he don't have to heal one. It's totally up to God whether he heals people or whether he don't heal people. It's, it's up to God. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. Well, how many know, first of all, the Bible says God is no respecter of persons. So if that's true, then if he heals one, he has to heal another one, doesn't he? Or he's a respecter of persons. All right, Acts chapter 10, look at verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Now here it's talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus came with power. He went about doing good, healing how many? How many? Notice all who were what? Oppressed of the devil. Now notice if God heals one and he doesn't heal another one, then Jesus was really messed up because Jesus healed everybody. Didn't he know? that God wanted to heal some and not heal the others, yet he's out there healing everybody. His son wasn't even obeying what he was supposed to do if he, if he only heals one and doesn't heal. A, but Jesus went around healing everybody. Now, I think that's despicable, praise God, that he should do that when the Father only wanted him to heal some and he's out there healing everybody. No, it do, that's not what it says. It doesn't say that he heals some, heals the other. Here it says he has healed how many? All who were oppressed of the devil. And people say, well, some people don't get healed. Well, some people don't get saved. Well, I just believe God saves some, don't save others. No, it's not up to God whether people get saved again. It's up to them whether they be ye reconciled to God himself. And when they do that, then they get born again. Salvation is already provided for. Healing is already provided for. God has already provided it. So it's not even up to God whether someone gets healed or not. It's up to that person basically receiving it and us administering to them what has already been provided for them. Are you following? All right, go to First Peter Chapter 2. I mean, when I was a baby Christian, the first thing you want to do, you want to get involved. You want to, you want to do what the Bible says. You want to heal the sick. You want to cast out devils. You want to pray in the Holy Ghost. You want to get excited for God. You want to do the works of God. But then I come across people that tell me God wants to heal some and not others. So if I lay hands on the sick and they recover, how do I know who God made sick to teach them and who needs sickness healed? So if I'm going to lay hands on the sick, I really I don't want to go against God. So if God's teaching that person with sickness, I certainly don't want to get in his way and lay hands on the sick so that they recover because now I'm interfering with God. Why? Because it was a doctrine of devils that was out there in the church and basically they're making God responsible. I mean, oh, God bears a lot of responsibility in the earth today. Hallelujah. Nobody would want to be in that place, would they? But no, that's not the truth. It wasn't that God wanted to heal one or not another. So we can lay hands, how many know, on everybody who's sick. We don't have to get a Holy Ghost vision of who needs it and who don't. Everybody that's sick needs it because it's of the devil, praise God. All right, 1 Peter chapter 2, look at verse 24, talking about Jesus, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were what? Now notice that's past tense, isn't it? So he's basically by his stripes. When was he striped? At the cross, by his stripes, ye were what? You were healed. Praise God. So this shows us that he doesn't have to heal us a second time because he already healed us the first time and it's available to everybody just like salvation is. People die and go to hell simply because they are ignorant of their opportunity to get saved. People live sick basically because there's ignorance there that's separating us from the truth because when we know the truth, the truth will do what? Make us free. Okay, go to Psalm 107. All right, Psalm 107, look at verse 20, talking about God. He sent his word and he healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men and let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with what? Rejoicing. Okay, here it says he sent his word and past tense, what did he do? He healed them, praise God. Healed them from all their destruction and delivered them from their destruction. So once again, healing has already been provided. So notice what it tells you to do. Verse 20, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all their destruction. Oh, that men would complain and moan when they have sickness and disease in their body and God doesn't heal them. 
Not in there, is it? No, no that, oh, that men should praise the Lord for his goodness. What? Because he put sickness on you to teach you? Because he's trying to leave you down? No, because he healed you 2,000 years ago. For his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men, oh, let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. Now, notice, it's a sacrifice. Say sacrifice. How many know sacrifice is not fun? Here it tells you to do the sacrifice of thanksgiving. So when a symptom hits my body, I'm going to go there and say, praise God, the Lord healed me from all my diseases and delivered me from all my destruction, and I'm going to praise him whether I feel like it or don't feel like it, whether my body hurts or my body don't hurt. What am I going to do? I'm going to praise him and thank him for healing me 2,000 years ago. Why? Because it's already done. What am I doing? I'm getting in agreement with him, and when I get in agreement with him, I allow the Spirit of God to get involved in my situation through that agreement and make sure that healing manifests in my body. So the Holy Ghost, basically the Bible says, he's living on the inside of you, and he will quicken, make alive, and strengthen your mortal body. Well, where's the Holy Ghost tonight? He's in here, isn't he? So as I agree with the word of God, praise God, it's so good to be healed. Thank God I'm healed. Glory to God, I'm healed. How do you feel? Does it matter? I'm healed, praise God. You don't look very good. I don't care. I'm healed 2,000 years ago by the stripes of Jesus. I'm just going to thank God. I don't feel like thanking God. I don't feel like praising God. I don't even, uh, God, but I'm just going to keep doing it. Why is that? Because I'm going to walk in faith in the truth that's there, and it will manifest in our lives, and then we can walk in divine health in our life, praise God. And it's not easy, is it? When you've got pain in your body, it's not fun. It's not fun saying I'm healed when I'm not. And if your mind hasn't been renewed to the word of God, you'll then convict yourself of lying at the same time. I'm healed. Your mind's saying, are you out of your mind? You're not healed. You're sick as a dog. No, I'm healed. And you just know there's no power to it. Why is that? Because the pain is bigger than the word in your life. That's why we've got to stay on the word. We've got to continually put it in our hearts and in our mouth and in our life and walk in the victory that he already got for us. So it's not a question of whether God heals some, don't heal some. Everyone has been provided healing just like salvation. It's up to us once again to receive. And how do we receive? With the authority that we deny we have. Use your authority against that sickness. Oh, no, God's in control of everything. And if God wants me sick, he can make me sick. And if he wants me healed, he can make me healed. And then we get off into works, don't we? Well, if I confess I'm healed 42,000 times, I think on the 42,000th time, God's going to finally hear me and reach down and do something for me. What are we doing? Now we're back in religion, aren't we? We're going to work it out. We're going to convince God. God, come on. You hear my confession? Look at me. I'm going to pour my medicine down the sink. That'll convince God. No, you just got to go buy more medicine. See, we do all these things because we want to convince God to heal us when we don't understand we already are healed, and you've got to line this up more than the medicine up. See? Your thought life and your mouth. You've got to keep that lined up till you come to a place that you know 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 that by his stripes, praise God, you have been healed. All right. Go to Matthew chapter 9. Even with this whole vaccine thing, you know, there's a lot of Christians out there who, you know, I mean, taking the vaccine because I believe God for healing. Well, do they really? Or are they just saying that because they don't want to take the vaccine, see? People say, are you taking the vaccine? I said, no, I'm not going to take it. Why not? Because I just don't want to, and I just don't feel like I should, and it does set right in my heart. I don't say basically because God's going to keep me from it. And then everybody says we have the thing about, you know, abortion. It's my body, and I can do what you want. And then you go into Christian things and say, well, it's my body, and I can do what I want. Well, basically, Christians, it's not your body anyway. So we can try to get cliches along with the world's cliches, and our cliches are worse than their cliches because we don't understand it's not our body to begin with. It's been bought with a price. So we glorify God in our body. Why is that? I just don't want to put anything in there because I don't believe it glorifies God. That's, that's my opinion. It's, I don't care if it's anybody else's opinion. I don't care who else does what. I'm not here to argue. I'm in my own little box here on that, saying I'm going to pick out what I want to do and what should be done, praise God. I'm not in here for the fight. But basically, we don't have to out-cliché the world we just got to believe the world. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, Matthew chapter 9. Look at verse 28. And when Jesus was coming to the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this. They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith be it unto you. Another thing that people say is the Lord can heal you if he wants to. Well, the Lord has already healed you, but notice it's up to you 
to determine whether you're going to receive it or not. And that's what Jesus did here. Jesus said, do you believe that I am able to do this? And how many know if they would have said no, they wouldn't have got anything. But they said, yes, we believe it. So Jesus puts receiving on the person who's receiving the healing. Do you believe I'm able to do this? And then he says, according to your faith, it will be done unto you. So that tells you if somebody comes up to you and they want prayer for healing and you say, do you believe when I lay hands on you, you're going to be healed? And they say, no, don't waste your time. Don't lay hands on them and say, be healed anyway. And they walk away not healed, and then they're mad and don't believe God heals, and you get mad and don't think you've got any power because you can't heal anybody. You've got to understand what they believe makes a difference in their life. They have a free will. Everybody has a free will, praise God, and God will not override anybody's free will that's there. So notice, he's able to heal. He has healed, and according to what you believe now, you shall receive. All right, go to Mark chapter 9. All right, Mark chapter 9. Look at verse 20. And they brought him unto Jesus, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell to the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father how long ago since he's been possessed. And he said, of a child. How often, Jesus says, have thou cast him into the fire, into the waters to destroy him, but thou canst do, if thou canst do, if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us. Now, he's asking Jesus if he could. This guy didn't even believe Jesus could. And notice what Jesus responds once again, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that what? No, once again, what does he do? He takes the responsibility off of himself because he's already provided it, and he simply puts it back on the person who's trying to receive. He says, if you believe it, you can receive it. So once again, it's not up to God, basically, whether people get healed or not. And there's a lot of people out there right now who are mad at God because they're sick and he has not healed them. They're upset at God. They're mad at God. They're, God's not a good God because a good God would heal me. And all these things go through your mind. How many know the devil's always working, throwing things at your mind, trying to convince you that God's not a good God, that he doesn't like you, that you're nothing, that you're... But notice, you've got to understand that all this was provided for him. The cross is the goodness of God. The cross is the love of God. What he did on the cross, and now we want to receive those things that he provided for us in the kingdom of God because we are citizens of the kingdom of God. All right, go to Galatians chapter 6. Another one I ran into was, if it's meant to happen, it will. It's all in the Lord's hands. If it's meant to happen, it will. It's all in the Lord's What are we saying? Well, I'm not going to believe God. I'm not going to use any faith. I'm not going to resist the devil. I'm not going to bind and loose anything. It's all up to the Lord, and whatever he does is what he wants to do. All right, Galatians chapter 6. Look at verse 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that he shall also for he that sows to his flesh is going to reap of the flesh corruption. But he that sows to the Spirit shall reap of the Spirit. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we what? So this shows you what you get in your life. What you have in your life basically comes from what you sow in your life. If you sow to the Spirit, you reap of the Spirit. If you sow to the flesh, you reap of the flesh. But it's up to you what you sow. And notice what it says, do not be weary in well-doing. Why does he say that? Because we want instant results all the time. I've been walking around telling everybody for two weeks how sick I am, but now I got back in church and somebody says, how you doing? Healed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Well, that's not it, see? Well, we don't want to be Christians who only are Christians in church. We are citizens, and you're citizens 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You're just not a citizen of, of the United States when you stand and, and do the national anthem. You're a citizen all the time, and that's what citizenship is in the kingdom of God. We thought it's Christianism. So on Sunday from 10.30 to noon, we're going to be the most holy and righteous people you've ever saw in your life. But once we leave, phew, phew. We can finally act any way we want to and do what we want to, but it's not that way. You are a citizen in a kingdom, and you are responsible in that kingdom. 
Hallelujah. So whatever you sow, you will reap. Whatever you sow to the spirit or you sow to the flesh, and it tells you here, be not deceived. God is not mocked. All right, go to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Look at verse 19, chapter 30, verse 19. God's talking. He says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. I notice, here's God straightening everybody out, isn't he? He's saying, you're not blessed because of me. You're not cursed because of me. I have set before you. I've already provided for you blessing, and I've provided cursings over here that came in when Adam sinned. You can choose blessing or you can choose cursing. I never understood this last scripture until I found out how ignorant people are lately. Look at the last line. He says, choose life. I don't even know if he's got to tell us. He thinks we're pretty stupid in some areas of our life. Come on. <laughs> My God, you got life and death, blessing or curse. Oh, let me see. Let me pray about it in the Holy Ghost for a little bit. No, you ought to know enough to choose life. You ought to know enough to choose that. So he went ahead and told us, he said, why don't you choose life that both you and your seed may live? So once again, he's not saying whatever happens, happens. This is the way it goes. He says, no, all these things have been provided and set before you. Now you have to do the choosing. How do I choose life? I choose spiritual things. I choose the word of God. I choose agreement with God. How do I choose curse? Basically, I live in curse. I talk curse. I talk negative. I talk sickness. I talk disease. I talk worry. I talk fear. I talk all these things in the other realm because whichever realm you're operating in, you have spiritual help from that realm. You're either going to have Holy Ghost help or you're going to have problem health over here and help. So it's up to you which one you choose. And how many know the biggest thing, it comes out right here because the devil doesn't know what you're thinking until you speak it, declare it, prophesy. See, in church we want to get up and prophesy and say, yay, yay, the Lord says you're wonderful, I'm great, everything's wonderful. Then you leave and think, boy, I just ain't no good, it's just terrible. No, no. Prophecy is constantly. You're constantly prophesying something into your life and the life of the people who are around you. You're allowing spirits to operate in their life, you know, either way, praise God. All right, go to Mark chapter 11. You can be rich or poor. You can be healed or sick. Choose healing. Another thing that I heard, and part of this is probably true, but not all of it, was everything happens in the Lord's time. Everything takes place in the Lord's time. So basically, if nothing's working in my life, don't worry. Everything happens in the Lord's time. How I many know I'm glad I didn't believe that for salvation? Because I'd still be waiting in the Lord's time, and if I died before the Lord's time, it would be a bad time. <laughs> so see, I got saved when I was 30 years old. How many know I could have got saved at 15, 20, 25, 28? No, I didn't know it. Nobody told me. I was in ignorance. I was in the kingdom of darkness, and I was being kept ignorant by spirits of ignorance and, and people with doctrines of devils. And then once again, I got born again. I got born again at 30, but it, no, it wasn't because God went to the cross again and sent Jesus. It was because it was already provided, and I was receiving. So I'm sure his time would have been better than me to get to 30 years of age before I got there. So basically, salvation was in my time, wasn't it, when I finally got a revelation of what was going on? Well, everything that's provided is that way. All right, Mark chapter 11, look at verse 24. It says, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you have received them, and you shall have them. Well, what if I don't believe when I pray that I shall receive them? Then I won't have them. So it's not really in God's time whether you have them or not. It's whether you believe that you received when you prayed, and you shall have them. So once again, it's up to God. And the Bible says that all the promises of God are what? So we're not waiting for a lot of promises that we're waiting for. We're just trying to believe what's already been done in our lives. So I'm not waiting for healing. I am healed. Until you get in the I am, you're not really in agreement with God. You're still waiting to get something from him and him to do something that he's not going to do because he already did it in your life. Salvation is provided. Healing is provided. Peace has been provided. Joy 
has been provided. But joy is not out here. Peace is not out here. Peace is in here. Joy is in here. It's in spiritual things. It's not in natural things. You'll always be disappointed in natural things. I don't care if you get a brand new Corvette tomorrow. In two weeks, you're going to be tired of it. You're going to have the payments on the stupid thing, and you're going to go to Publix, and somebody's going to ding your door, and you're going to lose your peace for like three weeks. (laughs) But nobody can ding your door in here. See, you've got your peace. You've got your joy. And you don't want anybody taking that away from you. That's why living in the kingdom of God, well, how am I know if I'm living in the kingdom? Well, if I float around in the spirit and, and if I hear God, no. If you're living in righteousness, peace, and joy in the... That's what the kingdom of God is. So if I'm not living in any peace, I don't have any joy, you're not in the kingdom. You're out in that other area someplace and you need to get back in the kingdom of God. And all those things were provided by him. Your righteousness is not of you. Your peace is not of you. And your joy is not of you. And even the Holy Ghost is not of you. They were all given to you by God and that's how you live in the kingdom of God. That's what it depends on. Am I living in the kingdom of God or not? And all the promises of God, they are yes and they are Amen. But then he goes on to say, "Is don't, don't vacillate between one or the other. The yea and the amen. Are you healed? Yea. How do you feel? Not too good. Are you healed? No. Yea? No. Yea? No. Yes? No. Yes? Yeah. <laughs> so you've got to make up your mind which one it is. You're either on the promise or you're not on the promise. And the promise manifests through you, believing and allow the Spirit of God once again, the anointing to get involved in your life. That's what the anointing is here for, but you have to cooperate with that anointing in your life, and you're not going to do that if you get doctrine that's not lined up with the Word of God, are you? If you believe God's in control of everything, you're not going to believe God. You're not going to use your authority for anything. You're not going to believe in the Holy Spirit. You're not going to believe in anything. Just God's in control, and whatever happens, happens in my life. Well, then if you have a bunch of bad things happen once again, you're not going to be very happy with God. If He's in control of my life and I'm broke, and I'm down and out, and I'm sick, what kind of God do I serve? And everybody's singing, he's so good all the time, and you're thinking, no, he ain't. <laughs> See, it messes with us up here, doesn't it? And even when you're walking in this for a while, I mean, walking in it for years, not one sickness hits my body, and the symptoms are there, and I usually speak to them or whatever, and they go away. And a couple times, they haven't gone away right away. And how many you know, as the days go on, You know, I got a little sickness here. Pretty soon you think, I might die from this thing before it's over with, praise God. It's not so easy standing anymore. Then you run into somebody with the exact symptoms. Oh, my mother-in-law had them. She died right away. And you're like, oh, my God. Yeah, there's a standing that takes place there. But every time you get a victory... I'm telling you, standing, that gives you something to go back to the next time it happens. Do you remember back, you know, in 2013 when you tried this same thing and it didn't work? Do you remember back in 2015 when I stayed on the Word of God and it worked, you know? So all these things have to be done, but once again, a lot of it has to do with us. All right, one that people told me, God never promised you tomorrow. When your number comes up, your number comes up. All right, go to Psalm 91. Like God sitting up there with a gun, just waiting till your day and time come, boy. He's going to blow you away. Let's see who I got to kill today. All right. <laughs> Ooh, that one's going there. <laughs> and then you got the pastors. Oh, they were just a little angel God needed up in heaven when they died at the age of six. He was one angel short up there. He, all right, don't you just want to get up in a funeral and slap them? But you can't do it. You can't do it. I don't want to have a fight at the funeral, praise God. <laughs> All right, Psalm 91, look at verse 15. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. And with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. He doesn't say there's a time for you to die. He says with long life. Say long life. life. So with long life, and notice, until you're satisfied, you should not go anywhere. Once you get satisfied, you might as well just go, praise God. When you think you fulfilled what God gave you to do and you're satisfied in your spirit, you can say, Saranara, I'm out of here. But notice, it's not up to God once again. He's not up there killing people, basically. If with long life, he will do it for you. Or like in Ephesians chapter 6. This 
scripture is for all the mothers with children or ones that are going to have sooner or later. Ephesians chapter 6, look at verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. Hallelujah. Kid disobeys you, say, you're shortening your days, brother. (laughs) You better straighten up. You better straighten up. Right here in the book. It's right here in the book. You want a long life? Huh? It's up to you. But once again, it's not up to God, is it? It's up to us and how we live in the kingdom of God. All right, go to Proverbs chapter 3. <laughs> He's loading it. <laughs> I see you circling it and underlining it and everything over there. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 3. Look at verse 13. Happy is the man or woman that finds wisdom and the man that gets understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver and gain thereof of fine gold. For she is much more precious than rubies and all the things that thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. Once again, here it talks about wisdom and knowledge. The more wisdom and knowledge you have, the longer you will live. Why is that? Because you'll be walking in the right realm. You'll be walking in the kingdom. You'll be walking in line with the Spirit of God and the Holy Spirit. This is a lot of times where protection comes into your life. You know, if you're walking with the Spirit of God, you're walking in agreement with God, things will happen that basically you, you can't really even explain, but you just know something else should have happened that didn't happen. You know, even when we were driving up to, uh, up to see Josh this weekend, you know, we got... Two times. Two times. <laughs> my wife forgot all about him, but... <laughs> there were several times on the highway when someone apparently didn't see me, and basically they just came over in my area and almost just knocked me right off the road. But, you know, you just worked out and they just went straight ahead and everything. And, of no, course, she, I called on the she called on the angels. That one was right on my side. Maybe I wasn't as nervous because it was on her side. I don't know, but I'm just telling you that didn't. Anyway, it happened a couple times, and everything was fine. You know, something could happen, didn't happen, but, you know, she's saying, oh, wow, this is, so, praise God, hallelujah. I-95, what do you want, for God's sakes? Glory to God. (laughs) All right, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians chapter ten. Thank you, honey, for the correction. But I've got, I'm going to ten. Jeez. Going to re- rewrite Ephesians 6 pretty soon. <laughs> Wives, obey your husbands in the Lord. Long life. And <laughs> All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Another thing I heard was God won't put any more on you than you can bear. You ever hear that one? He ain't going to put it. Don't worry, you're going through hell. He ain't going to put any more on you. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Look at verse... 13 says there has no temptation taken you but such as is common to man when you're going through something you think you're the only one in the world don't you 
I'm the only one in the world going through this. And no, everybody out there has already gone through the same thing or they're in it. Such is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above all that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now here he's saying when temptation comes, how many know temptation does not come from God? God cannot be tempted, so it's coming from the enemy. He says God is faithful, and in that he will give you a way out of that temptation if you will take the way out of that temptation. So every temptation that comes in your life and it comes to tempt you, basically, he says he has made a way of escape. Say escape. How I many know to escape to mean get through it or get free from it or do whatever? And so basically he's talking about here that he doesn't put things on you to train you or teach you. And then the Bible in 2 Peter chapter 1 basically says that you can be free from the corruption that is in this world by partaking of the divine nature of God through the precious promises. So the more I believe the promises, the more I get in line with agreement with the Spirit of God and the promises, the more the Holy Ghost gets involved in my life, the more the Holy Ghost gets involved in my life, the quicker I can get through troubles and trials and temptations. They, when I was a young Christian, when somebody yelled and screamed at me, I simply yelled and screamed back. How many know that temptation went on for quite some time? I was mad at that person. I didn't like that person. I was upset. But after a while, you figure a soft answer turns away wrath. So I'm going to be, that's the promise. So somebody yells at me, I'm going to say, hey, I love you. You know, you're just the greatest. And what am I doing? I'm keeping myself clean where before for two weeks I was mad at the person. I'm walking in forgiveness. I'm walking in love. Hallelujah. So what am I doing? I'm simply gone with the precious promises and taking on the divine nature of God that gets me through every temptation that comes. Praise God. All right, go to Hebrews chapter 3. <laughs> now, the one that I heard when I was growing up was basically God never... You never know what God will do because God moves in mysterious ways. See? See, everybody in the world heard that scripture. We were all heard that. We were all taught that. God moves in mysterious ways. All right, Hebrews chapter 3. Look at verse 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost said today, if you will hear his voice... Harden not your hearts, as in the provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works for forty years. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation, and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. So people all over the world in the Christian church are saying God doesn't want you to know his ways. He moves in mysterious ways. Then why was he mad at the children of Israel for not knowing his way and angry with them if he didn't want them to know his ways? He should have been happy with them that they were stupid about his ways. But that's not what it says here. He says he was angry because they did not know his ways. So what did he do? Basically, he was upset and angry with them. God wants you to know what he's doing in your life. How can you believe alongside of him and declare and live in line with what he's doing if you don't know what he's doing in your life? And it's the same way with everything that's taught. You know, If you don't know anything about health or healing, then you're just going to believe what you heard last. If somebody told you they're sick and God's teaching you, then I shouldn't even go to the doctor because I want to get smarter. Yeah. Right? Why would I go to the doctor? If God put sickness on me to make me smarter, God must know best, and I'm just going to get sicker and sicker because I'm going to get smarter and smarter as I get sicker and sicker. And, but we don't do that, do we? We claim that, then we go to the doctor. Why would you want to do that? Well, you, my gosh, God's trying to make you smarter. Why do you want to get some medicine and get well? Because you're not going to get any smarter if you get well. See, but we don't, even, we don't even rationalize our thinking sometimes that we're contradicting even ourselves and our own minds to do this stuff. So basically, he wants you to know his ways. In the Bible, it says his thoughts and his ways are not our ways. And everybody teaches that. The Bible says in Isaiah 55, his thoughts and his ways are not your ways. But then the next verse basically says he's giving you the word so you know his thoughts and he knows his ways. So we stop in the middle of something. It's like all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But he sent his son to make you righteous. We want to stop at one half the scripture. We want to teach that to people. And if you live on that side of it, you're going to live in defeat. That's just where you're going to be. And you can pray all you want. You're praying out of line with the word of God. You're not even agreeing with God. You're not going to get answers to your prayers because you're not even in line. You're in line with the wrong ones. Hallelujah. All right, go to Acts chapter 1. 
All right, the other one I heard was God has all the power. Don't claim to have any power. Certainly don't even be your mouth and confess that you have power because God has all the power. You're dishonoring God because God has all the power. And when you claim to have power, you're trying to steal the power from God because he has all the power. All right, Acts chapter 1. Look at verse 8. In red, Jesus says, but you shall receive power. You shall receive power. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, under the uttermost parts of the earth. Notice, we have power. Jesus said we would have power, so we've got power. If you're born again, you've got the Spirit of God on the inside of you, and he is, if he is powerless, then there's no reason to have him on the inside of you. But he's on the inside, so we do have power. All right, go to Colossians chapter 1. All right, Colossians chapter 1, look at verse 25. Paul says, Wherefore I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. Are you his saints? Yes. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you the hope of glory. So he says there's been a mystery that's gone throughout the ages. Of course, it couldn't be in the Old Testament because people then couldn't have Christ in them because they were not sanctified and made holy and become a new creation, so God couldn't live in them. He came upon them. But he says now to the saints it's being made known basically that Christ lives on the inside of you. Christ in you the hope of glory. Say Christ in me. Christ Say Christ lives in me. Christ All right, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, look at verse 23. It says, But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks. Christ is the power of God, and Christ is the? So Christ is what? And he is what? And Christ is in you, the hope of glory. So the power of God is where? The wisdom of God is where? So the power of God and the wisdom of God is on the inside of you. So I have the power of God in me. God does not have all the power. He has given to his children power on the inside of them, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. But notice also he's given you wisdom. That's why you shouldn't go around saying, I just don't know what to do. I don't know what to do in this situation. I just can't figure out what to do. No, you need to just praise God. God, I got God's wisdom and I'm going to know what to do and I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. And All right, go to Romans chapter 8. Okay, one of my all-time favorites. All things work together for good for those who love God and are calling to His purpose. Hit by a train. Don't worry, brother. All things work for good to those. Broke, completely dead. Don't worry about it, brother. All things work good. I can remember when I was at the Catholic prayer meeting, I was pretty new there. I ended up having to take over the whole thing because the other guys ran away and retired. And basically I was there one time and that's what I was taught. So as a leader, I was taught all things work together for good. So some lady, basically, her husband was sick, and you know he wasn't doing very good, and he came, and we prayed for him and everything else, and he died. And she came up to me after the next meeting with tears in her eyes and said, why did he die? So, of course, I said, all things. That's all I knew. All things work together for good for those who love God and are calling upon his purpose. And she said, it did not. She stomped out the back door. And I said, maybe I better check this doctrine because I didn't feel the flow of the Holy Ghost when I said that, so that must not be right. That must not cover the thing. Hallelujah. <laughs> All right, Romans chapter 8. 
Look at verse 26. It says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know all that all things work together for good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Now notice, the context of the whole thing is basically in a time when you don't know how to pray. What do we pray? We pray in the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost knows what to pray in that circumstance and situation. We can be guaranteed several things. Number one, basically God loves us, but number two, we are praying according to the will of God. So when I'm praying in the Holy Ghost, I'm praying according to the will of God. You don't know what to pray, you pray in the Holy Ghost. You don't feel like praying, you pray in the Holy Ghost. At least you can't waste words there. So I pray in the Holy Ghost, and because we do that, and we pray in line with the Holy Ghost, then all things will work together in that situation for the good of us and for those who love God. So it's basically we take it out of context sometimes, and we just throw scriptures out there. But you can't do that. So you want to pray in the Holy Ghost. If you're not praying in the Holy Ghost daily, you need to find time to pray in the Holy Ghost, if it's just five minutes and you're starting out, do it for five minutes, then do it for 10, then do it for 15, do it while you're driving down the street, praise God, you ain't got nothing else to do then anyway, so you might as well pray in the Holy Ghost that time, what am I doing, I'm praying, I don't really know, and sometimes you'll even be able to interpret what you pray, not all the time, but sometimes you interpret what you pray and what you're praying for somebody, and basically what you're doing, but how many have ever been wakened up in the middle of the night, and all at once you just got up, and you didn't know what to do, so you just prayed in the Holy Ghost, yeah. prayed for 15 minutes, you fell back asleep, and that was the end of it, and you may not know, you might have just saved somebody's life in Japan, or somebody driving to Georgia to see their son, <laughs> see, see what I mean? You might have been praying for us when you were praying in the Holy Ghost on, before we were driving up there, you never know what's going on, I think sometimes we will. I think when we get to heaven, he'll say, boy, good thing you were praying in the Holy Ghost here because these people just about got it over here, you know. Or, I mean, who knows, but it's the Spirit of God praying through us. All right, we got time to do one more quick one. Go to 1 Peter chapter 5. One of the last ones I heard too was, uh, trials are there to help you build character. What we go through is what makes us strong. God is breaking you and wants you broken. First Peter chapter 5. I've never saw Jesus walk up to one person and say, Be broke in Jesus' name. <laughs> all right, First Peter chapter 5, look at verse 7. It says, Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your teacher the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. No, because your adversary, the enemy, the devil, as a roaring lion walks about, what's he trying to do? Seeking whom he may what? Devour. He's not trying to train you up. He's not trying to mature you. And I've run at even ministers who say, you know, some lady minister one time was ministering here at the church. And she said, you know, I got a great anointing on me because when I was seven years old, I got raped by this person and that person. And because I got raped, it maybe turned to God even stronger. And that's why I have this great anointing. So basically everybody in the audience is saying in order to get this great anointing, I got to get raped. How'd you get this great anointing? I got raped. Well, praise God. If I get raped, I can have a great anointing too then. You know, it, everybody's going through hell. I had this sickness or that sickness, and that one made me. No, you always had an option to be made what you are now. You just weren't seeking it then. And when you got so low, you had to go somewhere. So basically he says when trials and circumstances come, don't welcome them because they're maturing you. He goes on to say in verse 9, whom resist steadfast in the faith knowing that the same afflictions, once again, are accomplished in your brethren that is in the world. You are not going through anything that anybody else has not gone through or has not gone through again. So basically, and you don't need to go through something to sympathize with some. You may have more sympathy, but you don't have to be a drunk to minister to drunks. And people say that, I can minister to drunks because I'm drunk. Well, then Jesus was the poorest minister in the entire world because he was never an alcoholic, he was never sick, he was never down and out, so he didn't have compassion for anybody. It's not true. I mean, it may have helped you, 
get them out of alcoholism or whatever because you came out or all the things they went through, but still, it does not give you a greater anointing or a greater position to do that stuff. The only position you've got is because you've got the Spirit of God living on the inside of you. You've got the power of God on the inside of you, and God will grow you up in the things of God as you continue to walk in the truth and walk with Him. He will reveal things to you of how to set people free and how to walk in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Ghost. Praise God. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. I thank you, Lord for revealing to us truth so that we can walk more and more. I thank you that you will now use us in different areas of our life and different people that we run into. Use these scriptures and bring them out of the bondage of the lies and the doctrines of devils. And we thank you for this opportunity once again to be used by you in another way. And we give you all the praise and glory for it when it happens. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right, praise God. Hallelujah. the kingdom